class, Nurse Kitely here. Today, we are going to talk about diabetes. Again, I try to keep this pretty high level as to gauge your level of understanding and help you identify areas that you should dive into a little deeper for clarification. As always, the reference I use is Bruner and Stuttart's Textbook for Medical Surgical Nursing, 14th edition. And again, no, I'm not paid to say that. I just love the text and how the material is presented. Let's get on to today's topic diabetes, and diabetic complications. By now, you should have a good understanding of the differences between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Simply put, type 1 diabetics are like Lady Gaga. They are born this way, whereas type 2 diabetics are created. No, I cannot take credit for the Lady Gaga reference as I saw it online, but whoever said that was a genius, as I don't think you will ever forget the difference now. Continuing on, there is also gestational diabetes, latent autoimmune diabetes of adults, also known as LADA, and diabetes associated with other conditions. Patients can move from one type to another except type 1s. Despite the differences, which we will get into in a moment, each type of diabetes has insulin and glucose as the key characters. Insulin is a hormone produced by the beta pancreatic islet cells and have six responsibilities, including transporting glucose, stimulating the storage of glucose, signaling the liver to stop releasing glucose, increasing dietary fat storage, speeding up the movement of amino acids into the cells, and preventing stored glucose, protein, and fats from being broken down. Type 1 diabetes, as mentioned earlier, is a condition that occurs when the beta islet cells of the pancreas are destroyed. This type of diabetes presents in early childhood. The mechanism of destruction is still undetermined, but research is getting closer to discovering how and why this happens. Rather than it being directly inherited from a family member, those with a diagnosed family member are more predisposed to this condition. This means that even though my husband is a type 1 diabetic, my son isn't necessarily going to get it, but rather he has a higher likelihood than other kids to get it. Type 1 also has an autoimmune component to it. Insulin replacement is necessary for sustaining life and, without it, can cause patients to go into diabetic ketoacidosis, also known as DKA. Leading up to DKA, a patient will describe needing to use the bathroom frequently, being very thirsty, vomiting, and being very tired. The patient will also have fruity breath, indicative of elevated ketones. Medical management includes the use of insulin therapy, and most commonly, this is done via an insulin pump. Continuous glucose monitoring systems are used to keep track of glucose levels within the body, but do not distribute any insulin like an insulin pump does. A sensor, on the other hand, tracks glucose levels and then sends that information wirelessly to the insulin pump, which then releases insulin accordingly. Insulin pumps used to be able to just do the basal rate for insulin release, but now many of them can also release boluses and automatically make adjustments depending on the glucose reading. Technology has been extremely beneficial for those with this disease and has made quite the impact on type 1 diabetes management. Type 2 diabetics are at risk for DKA, but less so than type 1 diabetics, as many type 2 patients still have some degree of insulin production. There are two factors that contribute to this disease. The first, insulin resistance, and the second, reduced insulin production. 
What this means is that the body stops producing as much insulin, so insulin therapy is needed to help achieve appropriate levels, or the body stops responding to the insulin being made, causing glucose levels to become elevated. Uncontrolled type 2 can lead to hyperglycemia, hyperosmolar syndrome, or HHS. HHS can be seen in type 1 diabetics, but most often occurs in older type 2 diabetics. In HHS, ketoacidosis does not happen, unlike with DKA, but hypotension, dehydration, tachycardia, and neurologic symptoms do occur. Management of type 2 diabetes includes a combination of dietary changes, medications, and exercise. Type 2 can be managed with diet and exercise alone, but oftentimes medications are also needed. Oral and injectable medications are available for treatment of type 2 diabetes. Gestational diabetes is when glucose intolerance occurs during pregnancy. Increased glucose levels occur due to pregnancy hormones being produced, which leads to insulin resistance. Roughly half of the women diagnosed with gestational diabetes will develop type 2 later on in life. Many women manage GD via diet, but some require the use of insulin therapy while pregnant. LADA occurs as a result of autoimmune beta islet cell destruction, but this destruction occurs very slowly over a long period of time. Patients with this type of diabetes have characteristics of both type 1 and type 2. Treatment is a combination of dietary changes and pharmacologic interventions. Let's move on to diabetic complications. We already spoke about DKA and HHS, which are two instances where blood glucose levels become too elevated. The opposite of these events is known as hypoglycemia. Patients can have a combination of adrenergic and central nervous system symptoms. Think back to episode one where we talked about glands. Now, think about what adrenergic might mean. If you are thinking hormones, you're right. Epinephrine and norepinephrine are both secreted as blood glucose levels fall, as the sympathetic nervous system is activated, causing sweating, tremors, increased heart rate, and hunger. As the blood glucose levels continue to decline, the CNS becomes impaired, leading to inability to concentrate, headache, confusion, impaired coordination, emotional changes, and combativeness. Now, long-term complications are a bit more complex and systemic in nature. Let's move on to those. Macrovascular complications are due to changes in the blood vessels. Coronary artery disease, cerebrovascular disease, and peripheral disease are the three main types of macrovascular disease. Diabetic retinopathy can occur in both type 1 and type 2 diabetes and can cause blindness. Due to when patients get their diagnosis, type 1 diabetics are more likely affected and have a higher risk of blindness. Nephropathy, or kidney disease, which we talked about last episode, results from microvascular changes in the kidney. Again, due to when they are diagnosed and how long they have had diabetes, type 1 diabetics are at a higher risk for these complications. Diabetic neuropathies are diseases that affect all types of nerves. Peripheral neuropathy is the most common and, as the name suggests, affects the most distal parts of the body. Symptoms include a prickling or tingling sensation, a burning sensation, and decreased proprioception. 
What this means is that the patient is unable to feel pressure, which can lead to imbalance while ambulating, pressure sores, and injury. Diabetic foot ulcers can occur and become infected before the patient even realizes that they have an open sore. Autonomic neuropathy indicates organ dysfunction, most likely occurring in the cardiac, GI, and renal systems. Symptoms associated with this neuropathy depends on the organ system it is affecting. More importantly is the autonomic neuropathy that can affect the adrenal medulla, which can cause the diabetic patient to not get hypoglycemic symptoms. Hypoglycemic unawareness can cause glucose levels to become life-threateningly low before the patient even feels a difference. The risk for injury and death becomes much higher when this occurs. Sadly, no matter the type of diabetes, complications are inevitable. As a nurse, we try to keep the complications to a minimum and try to prevent life-threatening ones from occurring. Patient education is imperative and can increase the patient's sense of control over this disease. Teaching medication management, insulin injection techniques, proper foot care, lifestyle modifications, and self-care all help to prevent major complications from occurring. Well, that's the end of today's topic. I hope that you were able to get something new out of the discussion, and I look forward to discussing acute pancreatitis on next week's episode. Have a great week, and until next time, keep on accelerating.